0: what is up guys welcome to the second episode of nothing but sports and today i'm joined alongside tim moore tim how you doing buddy
1: doing great how about you
0: i'm doing just fine so uh let's get started with the nfl so for those of you who don't know jamal adams has requested a trade from the jets which makes sense because they really i mean the jets wanted him to be their cornerstone for their secondary but it looks like that's not going to happen and He put out a couple teams on Instagram that he'd like to be a part of, and I think they were the Ravens, Chiefs, 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, and I might be forgetting one more. So, Tim, out of all those teams, which one do you think he's most likely to go to?
1: Yeah, actually, the one team that you forgot to mention was the the Seahawks. The Seahawks, yep. Yeah, so the way I look at it is, you know— You look at teams that really need secondary help. The Eagles, definitely one of them. You know, we know the Eagles' defensive back issues, and sure, they actually answered it here during this offseason to get better, but at the same time, I mean, we're talking about a superstar player here, Jamal Adams, and you you know what's interesting, Raheel? You mentioned about how we thought he was going to go back to the Jets, but Unfortunately, the realism is he just doesn't want to be there. He wants to go. He's young in the prime of his career. And the thing about those seven teams that he mentioned, which is somewhat a little bit, you know, aspiring in regards to he picked teams that are competitive right now and have the chance of winning a Super Bowl or have a big marketplace. So I'm really eager to see. Uh, My first landing spot, personally, I think for him would be Philadelphia, but I also wouldn't be opposed to another NFC East team, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Jerry Jones loves to get big stars and big players, and I'll tell you, he missed a few opportunities in the offseason, but I don't think he'll whiff upon Jamal Adams if the opportunity comes to him.
0: And you remember that. They they tried to pursue a trade for Jamal Adams at the deadline, so you have to think they're going to try again, because the Cowboys. Let's be honest, they need they secondary help is their big important need, and even Philadelphia. But you know maybe even a team like I and let's be Jamal Adams. He's only twenty four years old, so you're he's he's basically entering the prime of his career, and he's he's such a young talent. That's what makes him so so more um so so great to pick up but Tim what do the what do the teams have to give up to get him because the Jets are going to want a lot for him
1: well you know that's a great question because you know we mentioned the Cowboys compared to the Eagles you know the Eagles for example they have a couple of young guys that they can deal with either in a trade or you know are the future of this roster and by the way have already won a Super Bowl you look at the Cowboys team You think of a bunch of stars they have, like, you know, Lawrence, for example, you know, off the edge or on the offensive side, Amari Cooper. But, for example, both of those players I just mentioned, of Demarcus Lawrence and uh, Amari Cooper, Raheel, they're veterans. They've been here for a good little while. I mean, believe it or not, you know, Amari Cooper is actually slowly starting to age. As weird as that sounds with how long he's been in the league it feels like actually forever has been in the league. I mean, he's still relatively young, but he's a veteran, you know, and you start to look around the Cowboys, and this was a big issue, I think, in when they had the opportunity to try to get Earl Thomas about a year back, was that, you know, hey, don't get me wrong, Dallas is a big marketplace, but if you don't have the tools around you in regards to um, – star players or the future of a rebuild especially with a brand new head coach it's a little bit worrisome and to be honest i don't really know how um how jamal adams would work in dallas's new system
0: i mean i think personally uh just attitude wise i think he'd be a great fit in baltimore because baltimore's got that 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 secondary that, that that are filled with a bunch of dogs and that's what he is i mean Jamal Adams, like you said, Tim. I mean, all the teams that he threw out theres there is—they're Super Bowl contenders, and that makes it serious that he doesn't—he's—he's he's not one of those players who will go to a crap team just for money. He wants—he wants to compete. He wants to win a Super Bowl, and that's probably why he wants out of the Jets right now. Because even though they're such a huge market team, they're—they're they're not going anywhere. Even—even even, uh, a report came out saying his favorite team growing up were the Giants, but Giants are not—not comp, not a co- competitor right now. So he even though they're a big market, he doesn't want to go there. Well,
1: you know, I was mentioning yesterday as well, where, you know, even if, and don't get me wrong, as a Giants fan, I'd love to see him. Oh, I'd love to
0: see him there, yeah, 100%. Exactly.
1: but the issue is, is that, let's be honest, the way Dave Gettleman spent money this offseason, he got big guys like Blake Martinez and, you know, added on to the tight end spot as well with uh, Toy Lolo and other things. But, the issue is, is that once he started filling the roster, he was giving away some. I, I would say necessarily, quote unquote, unnecessary big contracts. Not long, but in terms of money for this year, it's a big deal because the Giants they were a favorite at one point to get Jadeveon Clowney along with the Jets. Well, now you can't afford Jadeveon oh, Clowney, yeah. and you definitely cannot afford Jamal Adams, especially in the long term if you're going to trade for him, but. You also mentioned Baltimore. The thing about Baltimore as well is that, and if you notice the past few years, um, now that Lamar Jackson's been a, a QB for two seasons, they come that first year, they're competitive, and then they lose in the playoffs. Yep. They turn around this year. Lamar Jackson has an MVP year, an absolute favorite to win the Super Bowl, but they don't get it done. But what I loved about Baltimore the most is, what did they do this offseason right here? They didn't sit down. They made moves continuously to get better. And now if you turn around and make this defense that's already scary as it is, even better, I mean, think about this. This would be the best safety acquisition. Obviously, yes, they did get Earl Thomas, but this would be the best safety acquisition
0: I can remember since Eric Weddle. Yep. I mean it's it's really interesting and the the thing is now what do what's the deal with uh Jets fans? Now obviously their corner there's almost cornerstone of the franchise is gonna be gone, so where do they go from here with Sam Darnold and the rest of them?
1: Well, the the first thing that they needed to do was get a wide receiver and I think they really Kind of messed up on that, too. So, you know, the Jets are very lost. Their their agenda in the draft, they had to get an offensive line, protect Sam Darnold. They did that to an extent. But it doesn't fix the offensive woes. And you talk about the defense, you know, Jamal Adams is frustrated because his team's not winning. Yep. But w- what I will say this for the Jets, and particularly in credit of Greg Williams, is Greg Williams can make the worst defense in a league, a top five defense in the league. He's so good at what he does and teaches that this Jets team, despite injury upon injury last year in the, you know, in the linebacker position and in, in the secondary They were still a very competitive defense, but it was the offense on a regular basis that was letting them down. So if you're the Jets, the focus has to be on offense. I mean, when are you finally going to get good receivers? I mean, is it going to be sad to say that in the next 15-year span, the best receivers that anyone can remember on the Jets in terms of a duo was Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall? you got to do a lot better than that. So if you're the Jets, you've got to start getting guys that can, A, catch the football consistently, be healthy out on the field, and and give Sam Darnold targets. You did a good job getting him an O-line this year, but he needs targets he needs someone to throw to otherwise what he said against New England in which he's seeing ghosts he will be seeing ghosts for the rest of his career because he has no one that he can throw to on a consistent basis
0: yeah I mean I mean you said it perfectly uh, especially for such a young QB you need to give him you need to give him targets to make him comfortable in the offense someone you know that say every quarterback has that safe safety blanket you know someone they can trust and the Jets are missing that and, and you know they're missing a number two receiver as well I mean, I think their best receiver on the roster right now would probably be Robbie Anderson at this point in time, and that's not that's not a good number one receiver. He could be a number two or a number three, but definitely not a number one.
1: Well, let's put it like this, too. I mean, if the Buffalo Bills, who two years ago legitimately had nothing, can turn around, and obviously the A-B deal didn't go through. But if they could have made a deal for Antonio Brown, and now they made a deal for Stephon Diggs, can the Jets at least make a trade for some type of a receiver that's better than, I don't know, 800 yards a season? That's the, I mean, that's the thing about it, what I just don't understand. If the Bills, who had a lot less than they did at one point a few years ago, and now they're a competing team, not just for the AFC championship or uh, AFC's championship this year, then, you know, why can't the Jets do that? The Jets have the financial means to do so.
0: I mean, yeah, you said it yourself. I want to also transition to one more thing about the NFL. So if Jamal Adams were to get traded to Kansas City, do you think he'd stay there long-term? Because he'd probably have to, uh, let's be honest, all those Chiefs guys are going to have to take a pay cut for Mr. Patrick Mahomes, and if they want to keep that crew together, do you think he'd be willing to do that?
1: Well, you know, I think he'll be willing to take a minor pay cut, but when you think about the pay for safety, Jamal Adams is probably going to break the all-time record for that because, to be honest, the way the NFL works, safety pay over the years have been relatively low. You know, it's very typical to not see $20, 30000000 million deals for, you know, a free safety or a strong safety. So, I think you're going to see a lot of money for Jamal Adams. He's going to break the system in regards to how that works. But if he does go to the Chiefs, I don't see him being a long picture. And the reason why, when I think about it, is I go back to a few years ago, um, Rahil, and I think about a player of Tyron Matthew. Now, remember, he right now actually is on the Chiefs. Yep. And he is versatile. He can play corner. He can play free safety and strong safety. But remember when he went to the Texans, this was the same exact question we had when he was with Houston. What was he going to do on a long-term deal? Because remember, he only signed a one-year deal. And was he going to stay for a team that can't afford the big player? And at the time, Houston was making moves. Remember last year going into the season, they were actually a Super Bowl favorite. They were, the yep. Teams. So, I think the same thing with fall Jamal Adams. You know, I you know ideals that if he does go to Kansas City, first off, you have him and Tyron Matthew, which is a, a deadly safety combo, and. Then he's there for one year. This could be another Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. But then after that, I see him going somewhere else, to be honest. I don't see him staying with Kansas City because it's just there's no way they'll be able to afford him. And I, I imagine that's the same exact reason why Houston didn't re-sign um, Tyron Matthew a uh, year prior.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, so let's transition now to the MLB. So as we know, Manfred said that it didn't look like they'd have a season. Then the players' association came back and offered. I think it was, or is it? Was it the commissioner offered a sixty-game season? Players' association came back with a seventy-game season, and Manfred quickly, quickly rejected that. So basically, the proposals were a flop show. And at this point, Tim, is there? I mean, I don't see a season happening at this point in time. I don't know what you think, but to me, the season is not happening because both sides are just too entitled to to give up money.
1: Well, and I understand where Manfred's representing because he is representing the owners to an extent. The 60-game proposal, in my opinion, isn't that bad. Sure, it's 12 more games than the 48 that was initially proposed, but you're giving these guys the prorated salaries that they desire. But what the issue is is that there's no communication. The players' union wants something, and then in terms of the players' association, and then you have, you know, on the opposite side, the owners that want something totally different. And in a time like this, a pandemic, the owners don't want to lose money. But the players, as independent contractors, they want to make money.
0: That's the problem.
1: So, and, and, and the way that this tends to work out, and I think Pat McAfee actually put it best, is that eventually as an owner... One day, you're going to have to sit down and make a tough decision, and you're going to lose money somewhere. Why not do it now, knowing that you can save your sport years of suffering and your business years of suffering? Because here's my worry about Major League Baseball, and don't get me wrong, I don't want them to come back this year, but for COVID reasons, not for just, I don't want to see baseball, but at the same time, I worry about this. If baseball doesn't come back this year, what happens comes to, uh, come the spring if COVID-19 is still here? No yeah. one's going to want to come back. No one's going to want to be involved. The future of baseball really is in jeopardy. You have kids that just got drafted. They're told how much money they can make. Only five rounds. It was an asterisk mark draft. And you have undrafted, quote-unquote, free agents that will be moving into the minor league system that are making below minimum wage. Literally, the max signing bonus was $20,000. Raheel, do you know how much the, the minimum wage is, quote-unquote the minimum contract, is in the WNBA, which is the least paid league in the world?
0: No, I do not.
1: <laughs> $54,750. These players should be living off of $30,000 less. Jesus. So you're asking a lot out of these players during a tough time. And the owners really and I understand if you're a small market team like Oakland, for example, where the money kind of comes a little bit rough, but that's where the MLB should also step in and help these owners in those small markets. And I think that's fair to that's fair to ask. Because not every team's in New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Dodgers. They can spend $200, $300 million a year. But if you're investing into these players and you're investing into the product of baseball, then you need to take a loss somewhere to help the future. And that's what I don't think the owners are
0: doing right now. Well, so this is, this is my problem with the whole situation, Tim, is that – the owners, they're so afraid of losing money when most of these guys are billionaires. Like, let's be honest. A lot of these owners are billionaires. And they're, and they're not the ones who are putting themselves at risk to this virus. That's the players. They don't even have to be in the stadium to watch their team play. They can be sitting at their luxury suites or their houses with no risk to it. While you're, the players, on the other hand, are the ones who are grinding it out, making money for you, who come and playing, the base, playing baseball and are putting themselves in effect for this virus and might not even be able to see their families at this rate. So that's my problem. I just feel like the owners, they need to give something up in this situation because these guys, most of these guys, Tim, are billionaires, and they're not willing to give up money in a global pandemic where thousands of people are losing their jobs.
1: You you know where this started to sound too good to be true the other day, Raheel? Where is that? When they said universal DH. That's when it starts to sound too good to be true. And unfortunately, you know, the way the way I look at it is that the team owners, they want one thing. And again, they and as I mentioned already, the players want another. But, you know, with these team owners again, and, and I already mentioned it in terms of they're gonna have to cut a loss somewhere. But the players also are not gonna lay in. And the reason why the players aren't going to lay in is because you already cut their salary once. Yep. Why do they want to live on a risk? And don't get me wrong. Yes, they're baseball players. They make millions of dollars to an extent if you aren't on a rookie salary, might I mind you, and have had the option to make it through your first contract deal or extension. Those guys are going to make a good amount of money. But you have the rookies that are at here in Major League Baseball that really don't make too much money. So the way I look at it as well is that you're going to have to come, risk yourself. Let's say if you're on a rookie deal um, and you're making $100,000 maximum for the season because of the way this all works out. If I'm a player, I'm not risking that. That's not worth it if you reduce the contract yet again. So I to me, I feel it's important for the players to keep on fighting for what they believe for because the owners are just, they, they don't, like you mentioned Raheel, they don't have to deal with this risk. They're just so scared of losing money. Yeah. But the problem is that no owner has, you know, necessarily the guts to say hey guys maybe if we lose just for a little bit because they're so scared of losing money that there's going to be a better future for something that we're investing in and it almost feels like what i was going to say before is that these owners don't love the game of baseball they just care about the dollars 100 yeah uh, and you can almost feel the same thing about rob manfred He doesn't care. It doesn't seem like he cares if baseball comes back this year, because he's making twenty five million dollars a year just to blunder interviews, just to make the game literally look bad. And this whole process has been an utter embarrassment.
0: And it makes and it and it puts a huge stain and a huge. It just makes Major League Baseball look horrible in this situation. Think about this. At the beginning of this, everyone thought that the one sport that could run first would be the would be Major League Baseball. And yet, we are in June, and they are the only major sports league that does not have a plan, has no intentions to come back, and looks like we will not have a season. They're the only ones. Every other commissioner has been able to come up with a plan. Why is it Major League Baseball not being able to do this?
1: Well, and I think it has a little bit to do, too, uh, you Raheel, know, with the mixtures of the systems of sports. Now, Now, think about this for a second, okay? The NHL and the NBA are coming back in regards to what their plans were. They were ready in season. Obviously, this altered the end of their season, but they'll end it a little bit later. The NHL is coming back straight in the playoffs. The NBA, they want to finish out their season, which I find insane. They should just go straight straight to the playoffs. playoffs. But. They're going to do that and at least they're keeping their broadcast crews at home and having only people produce it on the sidelines and they're in a remote location, which I like. They're trying to do as much social, uh, social distancing as they can. But I have also my own issues in terms of Orlando because how are you going to keep these players safe for all these teams when you're opening up Orlando to people to come take vacations at now? That, to me, makes absolutely no sense. But going back to the point, you know, you look at those sports and they have one thing in common. They have one lower tier, um, the NBA having the G League, and obviously hockey having its, its lower minor league version. But then you look at baseball. Baseball has so many tiers in the minor leagues, right, that this just isn't a simplistic issue because – What's been a big debate topic, Raheel, over the past few months, especially is how do you appropriately pay these minor leaguers? Because in the bigger picture, you have more players right now that are employed to your team that aren't working than you actually have players on the baseball field. When it comes to if Major League Baseball does make an agreement, you have 26 guys out there on the diamond. You have another about 120, maybe 150 plus guys between all your minor league farm system that are sitting on the sidelines watching from home. So that's also where the owners feel it's a little bit tough because they're responsible for paying these minor leaguers. And, and then you have to pay these major league guys. And I'm not defending the owners in that regard, but that's why I also think it makes it a little bit tougher in, in to come up with something like this because there's so many tiers of minor league
0: system compared to other sports. So let's say the the MLB does reach an agreement. How, do you agree with them coming back in this time because I I think we just got a report earlier today that I think five players in the Philadelphia Phillies had to have tested positive for the virus. So is it is it just safe to say at this point to completely shut it down for health concerns?
1: I mean, at this point I personally would Again, I was against league baseball even coming back this year in terms of the COVID-19. Not, not make an embarrassment out of these plans and not come back. But I don't think it's best to come back. You're risking injury, and I mentioned it multiple times this week as well on other podcasts. You know, you're risking injuries. You want these guys to get prepared for two weeks These pitchers are going to be expected to pitch in high-pressure situations. And I want to go back to the most recent agreement real quick, Rahil, Or I should say the most recent proposal. They proposed 60 games in 70 days. So overall, you're getting 10 off days. Now, being a Yankees fan, tell me when's the last time the Yankees didn't have an injury in two months with 10 off Uh,
0: days? I don't think any of us can... Yeah, I don't... I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, Tim. I mean...
1: So, ba- basically, the point is... is... if you look at the New York Yankees, for example, who are probably the most injury-prone team in all Major League Baseball... 100%. And... they get hurt on a regular basis with their stars. How are you going to expect players... That have been sitting at home for what is now nearly what I would say three months, right? March, April, yep. Yeah. yep. So March, April, June. So sitting three extra months than what they should have. And don't get me wrong. Yes, these players have been working, but nothing's nowhere near a real game situation. You're going to expect them to stress themselves out in a spring training every single day, or a summer training, as I like to put it, for two weeks. And then, oh, by the way, now you're on the diamond for another 60 games, and you're going to tell me that injuries are going to be better? I think you're going to see an all-time high in Tommy Johns. That's how bad it's going to be. Don't risk this. Just let these guys get rest. I'm going to tell you something. If Major League Baseball does come back for 2021 Raheel, I bet you in the pitching categories we're going to see all-time highs, and I mean it. Because I think it's best for these pitchers, especially, to get their arms rested and healthy. And you're going to see, you thought 100 was soft. You're going to see guys like Jordan Hicks throwing 106, 107. Because they hadn't been throwing in regards in the game situation, stressing their bodies for a year. And you ask any pitcher, when they get to sit back and relax, sure, you lose a little bit of confidence because you don't necessarily have your command all the way and in what's been when you're playing every day. But the first day they get out there, their arms feel incredible. And you could have a lot of healthier arms going in the next year.
0: Yeah, but that's a that's a that's a fair point. I wasn't even I even, didn't even cross my mind. So at this point, again, it doesn't look like I don't think there will be a season cuz I mean, it doesn't look like an agreement's going to be reached, but I think I think maybe shutting it down based on health concerns is the best reason. Again, because if you can't if you can't play the season, you go back and forth like this. It just makes the game of baseball look absolutely horrible. And now I want to um, transfer back. To, I mean, to the NBA. So you talked about the Orlando plan, and there's many people who have been, uh, you know, skeptical about actually going to play in Orlando. Are, are there any possibilities that teams themselves don't completely don't come back and pull themselves out? Is it a possibility?
1: Well, you know, I'd I like to think. You know, when when you look at the deal, right, you, and I I mentioned this about the NHL the other day, teams essentially did elect to not return. Now, and the reason why I say they essentially did elect, teams got the right in terms of ownership to vote on the playoff system. So teams chose not to come back. In the NBA, what was proposed was the deal. Teams didn't really fully have an agreement on it. That's just what the system was. There was no yeses. And I trust Adam Silver, don't get me
0: wrong.
1: 100%. You know, this is one of the most transparent leagues, if not one of the best-ran leagues in the world. Much different compared to Major League Baseball. But I will say this, is that I don't like that they're trying to finish a season. I And I think Eddie mentioned this the other day to me, where it almost feels like Major or, um The National Basketball Association, the NBA, is trying to push this only because you have the Pelicans, as for example, just sitting outside of the playoffs. And to me, my my first response would be, okay, The Pelicans are sitting outside the playoffs, but instead of making this a mess, why don't you just expand the playoffs? That would have been a more simpler solution, and and they didn't want to do this. But focusing now more towards the Orlando aspect, Raheel, The way I look at it, this is this is a dangerous thing. It really is. I don't like that the NBA is returning as well, just like the MLB reasons. You have players catching COVID. On top of it, with what's going on today with the Black Lives Matter movement, these players are protesting in regards to even wanting to play because they want to support the bigger picture and what's ultimately right. You know, at the end of the day, whoever wins to 2020 or 2021, if it transitions to, obviously it's going to happen this summer, but uh, whoever wins the 2020 NBA championship isn't going to mean anything the big picture. Making a difference on what this world is is going to make a bigger picture. So... Ultimately, I support the majority of uh, African American players that want to go and support the cause and not play in the NBA. So I think that's going to create a lot of debate as well, Raheel, where these guys are going to have to make decisions. And the question is to you, now I'm going to ask you, Raheel, is, you know, players are going to have the opportunity, rather if it's COVID or if it's, you know, the movement to not show up and play. But do you want to be that player that says I, I want to miss the rest of the season and not show up and play
0: because I feel like that impacts you in the future? I mean, I think it's definitely a it's a it's definitely a difficult thing to go against a whole the rest of the league and I feel like the players who have done that I think there's what about maybe a hundred now who have come out who have kind of, I think who have said that they don't want to play and I feel like that's I mean you said it yourself Tim I mean that's a dangerous thing because like. It could affect your, your play in the future, whether you you it's a reason you don't get signed to a team. And I feel like that's one of the problems is that now, because of this fear that people are not going to get further contracts, that they're not coming and speaking out because they don't, like you said, they don't want to be that player who might not end up on an NBA roster in a couple of years because of this whole situation. And I feel like that's where the league maybe has to change. We saw what happened with the NFL with Colin Kaepernick. He's no longer on a roster because he stood up for what he believed in. And I feel like that's a message a lot of players took that as a message that, you know, maybe I can't come out and say what I want because it's going to, it's going to affect my, my future earnings, my play, and whether or not I make an NBA roster. And I feel like the league has to be more open to letting player the league has to be more open to, even if players do come out and speak for them to again, have future jobs. But the question is, is Adam Silver going to, is it possible that enough players come out and say, I don't want to play? Is it an, is it, is it enough to stop the season from starting up again?
1: Well, I don't think this is going to be enough to stop the season overall because then what they can do is they can chip in a G-League talent. I know that sounds uh, very interesting, but that's what could happen. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some stars that still want to play, like LeBron James. You know, yeah, they, they want to play. But the reason why they want to play is why? Because they're competing for a title right now. Don't get me wrong, you know, Kyrie Irving tends to be the center of media of late for some reason. And everyone's pinpointing things on him, rather it's false or true, or whatever, of him wanting to quote-unquote start his own league. That doesn't matter. But the the, the point is, is that you look at it and it's like, Kyrie Irving, what team does he play for right now? The Nets. The Nets. He has, don't get me wrong, Kevin Durant is a teammate, but Kevin Durant's hurt. Kevin Durant's out for the year.
0: Is Kyrie coming back for the playoffs, or is he still?
1: Well, that's the thing. Kyrie is the leader in ter- regards to this vocal movement right now of players that don't want to come back and fight for the Black Lives Matter movement. So you're, you're, if he he's going to be faced with a decision where, does he want to come back? Or is he just going to sit on the sidelines? And I think, really, everyone's going to blame Kyrie. To respond, if Kyrie sits out, there's going to be a lot of players that support him that are going to sit out. But on the opposite side, there's also players that I'm sure are supportive of this. And they're not saying a thing because, as you mentioned, they're worried about the contracts. But, I, you know, I, I just really think that, you know, this isn't going to stop the NBA. It's either you're with them or you're not, and they'll move on. Because of what's going on
0: right now. And also another thing is Damien, I think Damien Lillard and Carmelo came out and said that I'm not going to for health concerns, I'm not going to put myself at risk just to play a bunch of meaningless games if I'm not in the postseason. And it's just, it's still a possibility that the Blazers do make the postseason. And, but
1: And but I do want to make one point too, right? I apologize for interrupting, but you know, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony. Here is a guy that is only playing for one reason right now in the league, and that is to finally win an NBA championship. And for him to turn around and say, I don't want to play and risk myself, says a lot. Now, you can say whatever about Carmelo Anthony's career and how he may be a quote unquote selfish player, but you cannot disregard how bad he wants a championship. And for him to say, I don't want to return, that says a lot. Because there's a lot of players like him that want championships. And, you know, they as well don't want to return. Even Dwight Howard, for example. Howard, yeah, he
0: doesn't want to come back. He,
1: he doesn't want to come back. So, I mean, to me, you you have to start looking at some of these guys as well. Not to say that individuals make the difference. But those are two main people right there. That that is their quest right now, and their points in the career in, in their careers. And they're saying they don't want to be a part of this.
0: I mean, and let and Dwight is and Dwight is also on the Lakers, who are a championship competitor at this point. They're probably the favorite. And I think that's another huge thing. You have a a, a big name in the NBA who is on one of the best teams in the maybe the best team in the NBA, and he doesn't want to come back. That that really that really shows, and it's going to be interesting to see if players do change their mind and whether more players now come out publicly and say that they don't want to play. Because I think Kyrie said there was probably about a hundred people that didn't want to that were are with him, but not many have ex- expressed themselves. I know Avery Bradley has recently, I think, maybe expressed himself, but I'm, it's going to be very interesting to see which players don't want do, do come out like do start to come out publicly because. If there are more players that are only playing right now for a championship and are not on teams like the Bucks, like the Lakers, like the Clippers, teams with real chances to win an NBA title, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Because if, like you said, if they're not willing to come back, then it really paints a picture about you know the stuff going on and whether or not the NBA should come back.
1: You know what I just realized, too, in all this scenario, it's funny because we're talking about Kyrie Irving as well in regards to with all this going on. Well, technically, when the NBA comes back, season should have already been completed. Now, what I'm wondering is with this all going through, will Kevin Durant be healed assuming the Nets make the playoffs? Think about this. What if Kevin Durant, after all of this, Finds a way to come back to not play a single regular season game, and he's on the floor in the postseason for the Nuts.
0: I mean, personally, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to. I don't think. I think he's now made. I think he, he's learned from the whole situation with Golden State and Toronto. I think he's learned that, you know what, I need to, you know, take time off. And I'm not. I don't think he'll be coming back, but that's a very interesting point. And to see what his opinion is.
1: Because by this time in which he got hurt last season, he should be healed. To an extent I'm by playing. now. So I'm saying because this is usually around the time he should be returning based upon the original um, diagnosis, or at least from what I read in ESPN's articles. But again, this never really popped into the question because we all assumed Rachel, the NBA season would be coming to a close by right now. around yep. So the fact that first off, there's going to be days Before we see the NBA season come to picture, if let's say the NBA title comes down to August, and Kevin Durant could be a factor being on the floor, so I'm eager to see how this plays out as well. And maybe does that have a a factor in swaying Kyrie Irving's opinion?
0: Maybe you know,
1: (laughs) in 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 this as well, because he hasn't had KD to help him on all through the four. And we know as well, Kyrie's been battling through injuries, which we also can't, you know, fail to not mention. But this does help those players that have been injured. You know, Steph Curry, he battled through an injury, eventually came back, but this helps him a bunch too, you know, in regards to getting time to heal. And even on the Major League Baseball extent too, Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge, no one still knows what's going on with Aaron Judge, but this helps him.
0: 100%. So,
1: so I think too – with all the COVID mess, it creates very interesting storylines, and particularly in basketball with that. But, I mean, uh, in terms, again, of the players holding out, he, I go back to, to the point it's either you're with the NBA or you're not, they'll gladly pull up G League players. And I think this is also a great time to show the youth that's in the NBA if players do hold out.
0: Yeah, um Nevertheless, no matter what happens, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens. Uh Tim, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you uh taking the time to uh come on. Indeed, it was my pleasure. This was awesome. All right, and uh everyone, thank you for listening and we'll see you we'll see you next time for episode three. Thank you.